no matter what anybody tells you, you don't get into this to not compete. You know, you don't you don't take this job and go, ah, I just want to be a 500 guy, you know, or I, I want to finish in the bottom third of our conference. Well, if that's your mindset, then you're in the wrong business. So I still at the end of the day, like I take a lot of we, we I should say we take a lot of pride in our community service and the thank you notes and shaking hands and telling kids you love them and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, those seven innings are a blast for the most part. Like you want to hook it up and fight and compete. And I, I, I love fostering that environment too of we're going to fight, you know, we're going to get after it for seven innings and let's see what happens. We had the album cover of Stankonia with Outcasts, and on Big Boy and Andre's body was Chesty Lion's head. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. And man, the Chesty Lions. I am so excited to share this conversation with you and get you acquainted with the Lawrence High School Chesty Lions, man. Uh, as always, super honored to bring another phenomenal high school coach your way. You are going to absolutely love Brad Stoll, and I promise you'll be a Chesty Lions fan for life. While you're here, make sure you grab a sticker, leave a rating, and join the free weekly newsletter. You can hit up highschoolcoachesclub.com or click the link down in the show notes. I can't thank you enough for being part of the High School Coaches Club. And a huge thank you to Will Miner and the gang over at Netting Pros for sponsoring the High School Coaches Club. If you need any facility improvements, make Netting Pros your first call. Not only will they help you design it, but they'll do it all custom for you. From the fabrication to the installation, they've got you covered for netting, digital graphic wall padding, turf, turf protectors, cubbies, windscreen, ball carts, you name it. They crush the baseball and softball world on a daily basis, but they also get after it in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field golf courses, and just about any sport you can imagine. They're truly making facilities better all across America. Providing high-quality products and services for facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout this country, not only at the high school level, which we all care about, but also for recreational, collegiate, and professional sports as well. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, also nettingpros.com, or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Netting Pros, they're improving programs one facility at a time. This podcast is also sponsored by Driveline Plus. High school coaching is about effectively identifying and communicating what athletes need to do to improve. Driveline Plus is a growing and ever-changing library of the best information on baseball player development. Members will find how-tos on different baseball technology and the latest research findings from Driveline's lab, along with inside access to Driveline trainers to make sure you can effectively coach your team. Plus, members also get the best discounts that you can find on Driveline Training Gear. All of you wonderful members of the High School Coaches Club can get $25 off your first year of Driveline Plus by using the coupon code HSCC. Go to drivelinebaseball.com plus to learn more. You can also find that link down in the show notes. And in this episode, I'm joined by the head baseball coach of the Lawrence High School Chesty Lions down in Kansas, Brad Stoll. Coach Stoll is in his 17th year as the head coach at Lawrence after graduating from there back in 1990. It's now his 26th total year in high school baseball, in addition to some college coaching opportunities and now two decades plus of additional baseball experience as an associate scout for the Milwaukee Brewers and the Atlanta Braves. He's amazing, and I can promise that you'll learn some fantastic stuff from him over the course of the next hour or so. I'm so glad you're here. So let's do it. Let's dive in. It's episode 64 with Brad Stoll. 
All right, Coach, thanks for jumping on the show with me. Uh, you're welcome. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, really excited to have you on. I, it's fun because when you get into the baseball world, I, you know, I have people on here from all sorts of different uh, sports and stuff, but baseball is always kind of where I feel the most at home. So anytime I can have a baseball coach on, I feel a little bit more, more comfortable, I think. Yeah, awesome. Uh, so, you, you know, you've coached baseball for a long time, obviously at the high school level. Uh, but I want to start here and kind of just do this because I think it's pretty cool. You know, you were a, a, you know, a part-time scout or associate scout for a long time with the Brewers. Now you're, you've been doing it for about three years or so with the Braves. Um, how cool is it to be kind of part of an organization that ends up winning the World Series? Well, I had absolutely nothing to do with that. Um, well, that's okay. You're still part uh, of it. Yeah, no, I just <laughs> I just helped the guy in, in that has you know this part of the country. And, uh, I felt you know I, I guess when I was with Milwaukee, I definitely had more uh, of a hands-on um, job with with Milwaukee. And then when they uh, they let a, uh, basically the entire part-time staff go, uh, I was looking just to try to keep my Put in the door in professional baseball, and, and a friend of mine helped me get in with Atlanta. So yeah, I mean it was it was fun. I'm obviously I'm cheering for him because I've got a little bit of a connection. But yeah, it was fun to watch, and certainly a great series. Yeah, it seems like a cool deal to have, kind of as a, just a, a secondary thing you do for for people listening. Her like, wait a second, he coaches high school and he's he scouts for the Braves. Can you kind of explain that for people so that those who who aren't really sure how that works, they they, they yeah, get a little so bit of an understanding when, when of was, it. Um, when I you know even when I was part-time with Milwaukee, you know, they would, you know, uh, the guys that I, that I worked for, they would call and say, Hey, you know, cause I live, I live in Lawrence, Kansas and the university of Kansas is two blocks from my, uh, the greatest university in the world, by the way, is uh, two blocks from my high school. So in the big 12, you know, there might be a Friday night guy from Texas or a reliever from West Virginia or whatever. And they would say, please run up and, and see these guys. So I, I would I would do things like that. Uh, I would, you know, if I saw a kid in summer ball, if I saw a kid in high school ball, you know, I would circle their name and just kind of fill out a little brief, by, you know, report and send it into my guys to say, hey, let's keep an eye on this kid. Um, and then when I was coaching in the Cape Cod League for, for all those summers, that was, um, you know, a lot, that was pretty valuable information. I felt like I had a lot of guys right around the draft. Um, from Milwaukee of different area scouts, not just the guy in my area, but different guys saying, Hey, you know, you had, you know, so-and-so from Texas St. Amory and so-and-so from Oregon state. Can you tell me what kind of teammate they were like, you know, what were their work ethic? Cause obviously the stats and the way data is now, like they can get on and get all of that in, in 10 seconds, but they want to know what kind of people they are. So that was pretty valuable information um, for those guys. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I'm, I was part-time with Milwaukee now. I'm considered what's an associate scout or a bird dog. You know, if I see a guy, I just kind of give him a heads up. And again, they'll call and say, they'll say, Hey, can you, can you go track down so-and-so or um, get some video of this guy or, or, you know, some velos on this kid. So it's uh it's just a fun way to stay in the game on on the professional side of things. Well, yeah, you mentioned like one of the interesting things, you know, after having coached for a while and you start getting some guys who get looks from, you know, major league organizations. Uh, it's so funny because the phone calls that I do get from scouts on, on guys in the past, uh, almost never have they ever asked me anything about what they're like as a baseball player, right? Like every single question is always off the field stuff or how they treat teammates. And um, so it just kind of goes to show the importance, like you, you reach a certain level of talent. And at that point, uh, I'm not going to say like professional organizations don't care because obviously they need you to be really talented. But at some point you cross over into 
what they start caring about isn't so much your talent, but what kind of human being you are. Absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 and the flips on the flip side of that thing, you know, at some point they really don't care. I mean, if you're going to be a hall of fame type guy or, uh, you know, a 40 home run dude or, or, or whatever, and, and play in the big leagues and be in the all, you know, playing the all-star game all the time. At the end of the day, they really don't care. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Like the most elite. And I found that out. Like, I, I, I don't know, you know, I mean, there's, I can think of a few kids that I would say, Hey man, I wouldn't give this guy 50 bucks and they go ahead and take them and give them a, you know, $3 million and they play in the big leagues. So you're right. I think it, it but it, for, for the majority of the kids that are drafted for the majority of kids in the, you know, in the, in the mid, mid to late rounds, they're looking for guys that are going to be great clubhouse guys, great teammates. Um, I've even had discussions with uh, organizations about, you know, this kid seems like he's got a great IQ. He checks out all the boxes on being a great person. He might be a, a great, inst- uh, you know, like a, a coach or an instructor at some point when he's done playing. Uh, and there's, there's a kid that, um, that I, that I coached in the Cape Cod league. That's like that right now with San Diego. They're like, as soon as we release him, we're going to offer him a position in the organization because he's such an awesome human being. And he was like a, a, a coach on the field when we had him in Falmouth. It's just, uh, you know, so there's a lot to be said for that kind of kid. But again, at the end of the day, if you're going to hit him, hit 40 home runs and you're kind of a jerk in the clubhouse, it's probably a decent trade off at some point, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, every once in a while you'll see like a college coach or even a, a professional coach kind of, you know, share something or tweet something kind of to the earlier point of, you know, needing to be a high character guy. But then that thought always creeps into your mind is like, but at what point, like if you throw a 99, is that when you're going to start going, ah, okay, like I, I can, yeah. I can make it accept. Like, so at some point there is that, that threshold you're going to cross where uh, your, your talent's going to take you a little bit farther than maybe the humanity side for sure. Absolutely. That's, I guess it's just real life. You know, there's, there's a, uh, there's bad quality millionaires and there's high quality millionaires, you know, in the, in the business world or whatever it is. But I think if you're, you know, if you're looking at filling a clubhouse and you're looking at spending five, five to six months, mm-hmm. you know, in minor league baseball, or if you're a college coach and you're spending all this time together, the, the more high quality guys, the more great teammates, the more, you know, givers, we always talk about being a giver and not a taker. If you have more of those guys than, than and and they ha- and they're and they're talented, then then you got something pretty special. Well, you've been in the head coach at your alma mater, which is really cool, that, and we'll get into like what that looks like right now. But uh, you've been doing it for a long time. But I want to go back to like your own experiences because I, I I coached for a while at my alma mater, and it was it was interesting coming back and seeing how how the landscape had changed a little bit. Um, so I want to go back to your own like high school experience. So. When you're when you're in high school back in the day, like what was that that experience like for you? What sports did you play? What was the high school like? And and then we'll start getting into maybe what it looks like yeah. now. Yeah, I, I kind of have a, a, a unique um, path. So I I played um, when I was when I, I played junior varsity, and then my senior year I got cut, and I was I was not a very good player. In fact, that the guy that's the was the head coach when I went to Lawrence High, he and I have we've always been very, very good friends and, and, uh, have remained very close. And, and I joke with him. I'm like, I don't know why you cut me. I couldn't run. I couldn't hit. And I was <laughs> a terrible defender. Uh, and so it made sense. I mean, obviously I was, you know, I was heartbroken as an 18 year old kid. You go up and look and your name's not on the list, but 
but I, I just, I guess I, I loved, I loved the game so much. And, uh, I, I ended up playing that summer with some, you know, of my, of, of, of guys that I went to high school with that all went out. And I mean, there was some really talented kids in my senior class. I mean, I think there were four or five division one kids and guy that played uh, in the Tigers organization but anyhow I just I was a terrible player I mean and I just I didn't have this the skill set but I actually you know I absolutely loved the game so immediately started coaching and uh, all the way through college I was always coaching summer legion ball here in here in town and um, so yeah I, I you know I, I don't I don't hang my hat on being a great hitter or, or being a great player but I think what I can hang my hat on is I, I, I let that motivate me in a, in a way like, okay, I got to find a different route to stay in the game. And that was, that was coaching. So I just started, um, started working my tail off and surrounding myself with, with great baseball people. And I consider myself a lifelong learner. I mean, I'm always calling people and visiting different coaching staffs around the area clinics, as many clinics as I can get my hands on. And, you know, just never been one of those people that claims to have it all figured out. I think I, I just, you know, you, you shut your mouth and you open your ears and you figure, <clears throat> you figure out new ways to do things. And that's been, that's been kind of my, my motto, you know, just to kind of figure that out like that. But yeah, I, my playing experience is very limited, uh, not very good. And I'm very open about that. I tell parents in the parent meeting, <laughs> you know, hey, you're, your head coach is, was not a very good player, but I, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm, I'll be 50 in May. You know, it doesn't really matter, you know, what kind of player you are. If you, if you, if you care about kids and you, and you work, you have a, a great work ethic, then you got, you got a chance. Well, it's interesting because there's a, a, and I don't know that either path is necessarily better than the other one, but you know, you have players who were, you know, obviously really talented and there's a certain level of, um, I don't know, I guess respect that comes when, when you have a coach like that, just because, you know, he's been there before. But then you, you also have the other direction, which is I, I'm much more planted on your side of the, the fence than than that other side. I much more understand not being a, a super talented player. Um, and so I, I know that side a little bit better and the idea of how not that the other side doesn't work as hard, but that it's, you know, to be a really good coach when you didn't have those, you know, maybe didn't have those playing skills. I think it makes you like you're talking about, I think it forces you to really dive deep and try to learn and keep learning. And I think there's always this little like edge that you might have deep down where it's like you need to this feeling of needing to be the best you can for your players just because that's kind of your connection to baseball. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think it's um, it definitely has always served as a motivation uh, and, and probably early on more of a you know, I maybe let it affect me too much. Like I'll mm -hmm. prove them, you know? Right. And, yeah. and what I, what I realized was, was, okay, I couldn't say, well, when I played, this is how we turn it of a player. When I, you know, when I mm -hmm. faced this guy, this was my approach. So what I realized early on is that I had to build relationships and get kids to trust me. Um, and, 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 um, you know, build that, build that relationship to where they were like, okay, this guy, cares about me. He wants to make me a better player. Uh, and again, the older I get, you know, an 18 year old kid, 17, 16, 17, 18 year old kid at Lawrence high school really doesn't care that Brad Stoll got cut at Lawrence high school. <laughs> right. All they care about is, is he on the field working hard for me? Does he have a great plan for me? You know, does he have the knowledge base to make me a better player? And at the end of the day, you know, I really don't think they, they really don't care. Um, 
about that, you know? So I, I think you're right. I think it has served kind of early on, it served as a motivation that I've got to work twice as hard as the great player that's trying to get into coaching. Cause you know, you and I both know it's all who, you know, and not what you know. So I didn't know right. as many guys in the game. So I had to figure that out early. Like I got to get to know the right people and I got to work hard to build those relationships with those guys so they can help me advance in this game. You know, and so I think that's where my, that's where my efforts went towards. Well, it's interesting now too, just looking from a, a broader perspective in the game of baseball. I think, uh, I think a lot of sports have also gone the same direction where now we're starting to get a lot of, um, I mean, it used to be like if you wanted to be a major league coach, obviously you played major league baseball. Now we're starting to get into that that new realm where it's it's so much more about what you know and what you can do for players than, you know, what kind of player were you? And I think people started to realize that, you know, just because, you know, like Barry Bonds is a really good example. I think a lot of people can recognize, right? The greatest hitter we've probably ever seen. And, you know, who knows how much steroids help. But I know that just watching him, he was the best hitter I've ever seen at the plate and he goes to be a hitting coach and I don't think he lasts more than a year. And, and it's just like, yeah, we're living in this new world where like, what you're saying, like people care about how you can help them get better. And that's kind of all they care about. Yeah. It, it, what, what are you going to do for me? <laughs> you know? And, and that's, and that's, that's okay too, you know? Um, and I, and I realized once I, once I, once I felt like I had a good base of certain skill sets on how to teach, you know, the knowledge, and, and I and I put the effort into being a relationship first person and a teacher and a coach, you know, then I think that really helped me out tremendously. Um, and, and you're right. Like, you know, you look at you look at the way basketball went, you know, the guy Spol Spolster, I think is his name, the guy that's the yeah, heat yeah. coach, like uh -huh. he was a video guy and he worked his way up. Uh, and, and, and so I think, again, like those guys probably don't care that he never played in the NBA. They don't care. What, what are you going to do to help me out? And and uh, I, we, we're starting to see it more in baseball. I mean, you know, you look at professional baseball, they're hiring all of these female coaches. You know, there's the girl, right. the lady that's going to be, I think she's the A-ball manager. And then there's a, the girl, she was in the Cape Cod League actually last year. She's going to be a, a, a roving instructor. So that's awesome. Like, you know, hey, can, whether you're a woman or a female, whatever, or excuse me, a female or a male, are you going to help me out or not? And I think that's really what it boils down to. Can you help me become a better player and a better person, regardless of your playing history? Well, and, and you've been you, you, like at this point, you don't have to prove anything to anybody personally, right? You're nearing 30 years in high school baseball, so at some level, like who cares that you got cut? Like it doesn't matter. Um, you know, 17th year now at Lawrence High School, so you've been doing this thing for a little while, and um, I think that's that's kind of cool to have somebody on who's been. Who's, who's seen baseball and high school sports for for that long I'm not calling you old I'm just saying like it's 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 neat to have hey. you on because I think a lot of us like me I've been doing it for I don't know not even 10 years yet right and so um it's it's interesting to get perspectives from people who have kind of been around for for a little bit so um 17 years now at Lawrence High School at the same school that you know you, you mentioned you got cut at your senior year um, how did you end up there uh, how did that how did that all come about? Yeah, so I, um, I I graduated from high school, and then I stayed here in, in, in Lawrence and went to the University of Kansas, which, again, I said earlier, is the greatest university in the country, rock chalk. Uh, so I went to school, and I just, like I said, I started coaching Legion summer ball here in town and built some relationships with, with, with people that way. 
And then um, actually, so we were always a one high school town. And then in 1997, we we went to a two high school town. So Lawrence Free State opened up and a friend of mine uh, was the head baseball coach there. And he offered me a job. So I actually coached football and baseball at Free State and did that for uh, – and I had coached at two other area high schools when I student taught, mm-hmm. got some valuable experiences in, in uh, the Overland Park area in Topeka Hayden, a Catholic school in Topeka. So then I came back with um, with Mike Hill and was at Free State for seven years. And then in the summer of 2004, uh, they had uh, – the job opened up. And I went I – went, I spent the entire summer – going hard and heavy for that job because I wanted to be, you know, I was happy where I was at. It was a a great program and we had just played for a state championship and Memorial day weekend. And then that next week they let the guy go. That was, that was here uh, before me. And so I just, I, I jumped in, man. And I went to work. I I was calling people to call the principal and put together a, a huge notebook for an interview. And I just, I put all of my energy into getting that job because I really wanted to be a head coach and I really wanted to come to Lawrence high where, again, where I graduated from. And, and uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's a, it's a very proud school. We have the most state championships in the state of Kansas and, uh, in, 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 you know, in, in their athletic program, I think it's 111. Cool. And so it's a very, very proud school. And, you know, when you have a when you have a school like that that's steeped in tradition, and then you split it, it's tough. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. the expectations from the alumni are the same, and they don't really care that it's a two high school town. So, I love that challenge. Like, it's very difficult. You know, now you're splitting the talent in the town, and um, but it's 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 been it's been fun. It's a great challenge. I love walking the halls of the school where I went, and uh, following some great people. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to coach here. Well, let's dive into the, the state title thing then. And let's get, let's get that, let's get that thing pumped out kind of. So you, you know, and a lot of coaches are going to be guys who, and gals who are fantastic, amazing coaches and, uh, most will never win a state championship. So, you know, it's not a, it's not necessarily a barometer of, of how good a coach is because obviously there'll be plenty of coaches who are just amazing. And, you know, there's, there's a level of luck, there's a level of players, there's a level of things kind of lining up of, you know, <laughs> nobody getting injured or, or overcoming injuries and all sorts of stuff. So I don't want to, you know, downplay people who don't win a state championship, but how cool uh, in 2009, you guys win the state title and, and to be able to do that at your alma mater, I can only imagine how amazing that moment was like. So just for you personally, what was that like to be able to, you know, you had already mentioned the, the town kind of splitting into two high schools. So you have that added challenge. What was it like for you? You know, I, I remember, and I think about this all the time. We have a we have a hallway here at Lawrence High School called we call it a trophy hallway, and, and all, a ton of our state championship trophies are in that hallway. So when and we got really we got really close several times prior to winning it, and I remember walking down. We got beat in the semifinals, and we got back to Lawrence, and I was walking down that hallway to return something to the main office, and it just hit me, like I'm looking at all these 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 trophies and going, man, it is hard. It is very hard. It's very hard to get to the state tournament, first of all, uh, and it's very difficult to win the first round. It's very difficult to get to the semis. So just kind of the magnitude of the of how hard it really was, but a sense of pride of being like, okay, we're close. You know, we, we're we're close. We just got to keep, you know, keep keep going, keep going to work every every year. So so getting close several years prior to it, I think helped kind of make it 
even more special. And then, yeah, winning it, winning it was, um, was, was, I mean, I can, I remember so many vivid details about the game. Uh, I, uh, one thing I do remember, like we played at a, we played at a, at a, at a facility in, in the, in Kansas city. And, and, uh, I mean, it was, we played a team in our conference from Kansas city and it was a packed house. I mean, there was standing room only five, six people deep from foul pole to foul pole. It was an amazing crowd. And I remember in the huddle before the game, I said, guys, we just, we need to turn around and look at this because this is awesome. Like, look at all of these people and over half of them are here for you. Not for me, <laughs> for you. And, and you need to, you may never play in something like this. You may never be in this arena again and just take, take some time and, and soak it in. And I remember seeing, and I could st- still see faces. I know where my wife was standing and it was awesome. And it just was a really, really, I mean, I, I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about it. It was, it was awesome. And so to, uh, to win that in front of that crowd, there were guys, there were three or four guys that were high school friends of mine and teammates of mine when I did play, <laughs> when I wasn't, you know, cut, uh, that were there and they were proud. And it was just a beautiful day. And my assistant coach is my best friend and he's a Lawrence High grad and he's two years younger than I am. And when we got, you know, we had two outs, uh, two outs and two strikes on the hitter. I remember creeping closer to Adam because I wanted to be right next to him when we made the final out. And so we get a slider, swing and miss on a slider in the dirt and our catcher blocks it and throws the kid out and just pandemonium. Right. But I remember I wanted to be right by Adam and I just hugged him and, and uh, you know, the emotions were just fantastic. We wanted, you know, I wanted to be next to him and I wanted to be where I could see the kids dog pile. And yeah, I can still see it in my head. It was, it was fantastic. That's really cool, um, you know, to obviously to have that moment and then to be able to do it, um, you know, against even against a team that you, you probably play quite a bit. Um, you mentioned the idea of kind of embracing that uh, that environment. It's interesting, right, because different coaches kind of go about it different ways. I'm sure there are some coaches who have been in that you know exact same position and their message to their team might be a little bit different of like block all this out. This is just one more game. You chose to go the other way and, you know, like you said, kind of give them a chance to turn around and like, look at this and like, how you know, how cool is this? Was that an intentional thing yeah. that you thought of before that day? Is that something that just kind of happened spur of the moment? Like, did you put any previous thought into that or is um, it just something that came out? I would say yes and no. I would say we spend a lot of time about, you know, I mean, it's, it's a mindfulness thing, you know, we, and, and that's a big part of today's society too. People are, you know, mindfulness is more prevalent or, or trying to be more mindful is very prevalent now. And so we talk about being where your feet are and all of those cliches, but they're true and they're really powerful in my opinion. So, you know, we always talk about having your routine and, and, and being, you know, being who you are and being where your feet are, all of those things. And so part of that was, you know, this is part of being where we are. Look at this crowd, you know. Hey, and if you're a true competitor, if you're a winner, if you're a, if you're a tough kid, that's not going to affect you, you know. And if you turn around and see all that and it makes you nervous and you're probably in the wrong huddle, you know. <laughs> and, and, and we always say, this is, you know, this isn't for everybody. The way we coach and the way we go about things, it's not for everybody and that's okay. But, you know, if you want to embrace it, then you're in the right huddle. So, yeah, it was – I didn't have a clue it was going to be like that, you know that emotional and that powerful for me as a, as an older guy, but, but, uh, definitely, um, definitely part of, you know, 
you know, being where your feet are and being, you know, noticing the environment, the smells, the sights, the sounds, all of that stuff that we know helps us be, you know, in the moment. Uh, and, and that was, so that was part of, part of the idea. But again, I didn't, until I turned around, I had no clue there was that many people <laughs> uh, because you just, it was, there was, a, there was the third, the, the consolation game was before us. And that was two rival high schools from Wichita going at it. And that place empties out. And then as soon as, as soon as we take the field for pregame, it's like, holy smokes, man, this, this place is jumping. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was part of it. But again, I don't think I really had a clue it was going to be that powerful. I mean, it's really cool. Uh, so, you know, first off, congratulations. And I think that's awesome. Obviously it's just, it's just one year out of many years, but it's, um, I think for anybody who's been a part of a state championship, they definitely understand the specialty of it. Uh, okay. I want to get into this. So you guys' mascot is really, uh, really unique. Can you get into first off what the mascot is? And then has that been built into your, like the culture of your program at all, like embracing that mascot? Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> yeah, so we, we are it's called the Chesty Knight. It's a very unique mascot. It is, it is. Uh, there's only one. And my, and my dear friend Dirk Wedd, who was our head football coach for a long time, and I actually coached summer Legion ball with him for uh, a couple summers. He, he's And we have this quote uh, in, on a big banner in our hitting, our indoor hitting area. It says, there's, there's thousands of high schools nicknamed the Lions, but there's only one Chesty Lion. So basically our, our mascot, he's so proud that he sticks his chest out. And so we have this beautiful bronze statue out front of our school and and it's a lion and he's standing on his hind legs and he's, you know, he's got his mouth open, like he's roaring in his chest. It's like, it's really cool because it's like, he's got these big pecs, you know, like he's just Arnold Schwarzenegger pecs (laughs) and it's really cool that he's just so proud. So yeah, we, 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 uh, we use that a ton. You know, in fact, we talk to hit. I tell hitters all the time, I'm like, when you walk in the box, you have to have supreme confidence and you got to be like our mascot. He's so damn proud that he sticks his chest out. That's how you need to be. So it is it is part of our uh, it's part of a lot of things that we do being the chesty lions. And we we take a lot of pride in that. You know, we take a lot of pride in being chesties. In fact, um, a few years ago in a tournament, a friend of mine, we, we played a friend of mine, uh, his team out of Kansas City in a. Uh, at KU, at KU's field, it was which really fun place to play. A div- you know, anytime you can play in a Division One facility in high school is a lot of fun. So anyhow, we're getting ready to play him, and he told me after the game, he said, uh, he said, hey, just he told his team this. He said, hey, just beware. I can guarantee you two things: one, they're going to fight like hell for seven innings, and they take more pride in being a chesty lion than anybody. And that meant a lot to me that someone recognized that, you know, and that he knew that one, they were going to have to fight really hard to beat us but in the other dugout their their our group takes more pride in being who they are for their school than really anybody in america so we try to we try to we try to you know focus on that and make sure they understand that you know it's not just about you it's about all the guys that came before you and and and, and everybody else in the school you know the the girls volleyball team or the track team or the softball team or whoever like you're representing somebody bigger than yourself well, I think a lot of programs try to and coaches try to like instill that confidence in players because that is everything. Even when you don't feel confident, just to literally to stick your chest out, it, it gives you this feeling of confidence, even if it's not 
um, maybe coming from this place of true confidence. And and by doing that, somehow you end up more confident. It's this weird psychological yeah. trip, basically. But basically, yeah, exactly. to, to have that as your mascot is so cool because you have this gift that I, I don't know that any other, I don't know of any other chesty, uh, you know, mascots in the country. And so just having that is, yeah. is so unique and so cool because you can literally point to it and be like, be like that guy. Yeah. Look, look at, look at the statue or look at our, you know, look at the banner with our logo on it. I mean, he's, he's, he's so proud that he's got only got one thing to do and that is stick his chest out. So yeah, it's uh, it, it's pretty cool. It's a beautiful. I mean, I'm I'm in our locker room right now, and I'm looking at all of our hats. I mean, it's everywhere. You know, it's on our jersey, it's on our hats, it's on our jackets, helmets. You name it. It's it's a pretty prevalent prevalent uh, mascot. Uh, diving a little bit deeper into the culture part, uh, we won't get too deep into a lot of necessarily baseball specific stuff, just because there's. Uh, lots of people tuning in who'd be like basketball coaches, soccer coaches. So they're not going to care too much about, you know, what a drop step, you know, like an outfielder might take or something like that. But yeah. I do want to get yeah. into at least one. I want to get into base running because when I was doing a little bit of research on you, I, I came across a, an article or two. And in one of them in particular, I can't remember uh, who had said it, but it was, it was getting into this idea of how kind of one of the pillars, I guess, of your program is uh, kind of the aggressiveness that you have as, as base runners and, and yeah. what you guys do as a base running system. And um, so I just want to kind of kind of scratch the surface a little bit and kind of maybe dive down just a, a, a tad bit. Uh, what is your overall philosophy of base running and, and, and what, how has that kind of manifested itself within the program? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, you brought up a point, like it sounds like you, you try to promote this to coaches of different sports. So like we, we like it to like, you know, press coverage in football. You know, mm-hmm. or like a zone, like a like a a, a run and gun offense in, in football, or press defense, or whatever in basketball, like something that is pressure, right? Like you may you may run into a guy like we have a really great. We're playing in the best conference in the state, so we're going to run into some really really good arms. So you might get a guy that you know kind of sticks it up your you know what one night, but you can always you know if you can get on base, you can create pressure, mm-hmm. right? He may be putting pressure on you if. He, if he's mid nineties or he's got a great slider or whatever, but you can never take away the aggressiveness of, of a base runner. You know, now you got to get there sometimes, right? Like if you've got a guy that's dominating you, but once you do, once you get on there, now you're in control. And that's what we try to focus on. Like now, now it's your game. So we, we think it's, we think it's a pressure. Um, it's all about pressure. And, and so now the pitcher, you know, and hopefully in their scouting report is like, Hey man, you know, one through nine, um, they're all going to run. Maybe the four and five hole hitters, they're not going to run much. Uh, in high school baseball, obviously you can run for the catcher. So that courtesy runner, he's in there for a reason and he's going to run. So, you know, and so maybe you're going to get more fastballs for your hitters or maybe that guy's got to change his delivery and do, you know, maybe he's got a quick pitch and he's not used to doing that. And it slows his arm down, and now he's missing high, and now you got another walk, and now you've got base, you know, first and second. So we spend, you know, we spend the first part of practice. I mean, it's a good 15 to 20 minutes every day on something related to base, to, to stealing bases or, or advancing on a, you know, getting an extra base. You know, that's another thing, like taking that extra base if they're going to give it to you. So, um, we like it. We think it gives our kids just a little bit of an identity of, of aggressiveness. You know, like you said, like it is a true aggressive nature. And uh, I, I like it too, just because it's fun. You know, nobody wants to just stand in third base box with your hands in your pockets. Like, 
let's let's move let's get going and if we can find a way to get first to third if we can find a way to just get to second base you know uh now a base knock base knock scores you um you know that's pretty valuable so we we uh yeah we we are always researching it we're always calling people hey what do you do what's a different way of doing this and i just think any other little advantage and tricks you can give your kids when they're on the bases the more confident they feel in it and 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 lastly like if they get thrown out so what you know like if they get thrown out trying to steal second base so what i don't remember the last the only the only time you know you obviously you'll get upset is if they they make up you know they they either misread a sign or they get a bad jump and they still force it like if you do everything within our system and you get thrown out that's on me. Like, who cares? We'll, we'll, we'll be back in this position again. So um, I think that gives them the, that gives them some confidence and some freedom to run the bases, um, knowing that hey, this is what he those guys want me to do as, as a player. The coaches want me to run. The coaches have instilled this confidence in me. So let's go. I, I, what I think happens with a lot of programs is the opposite of that, where players are afraid to steal um, or or even advance bases on maybe a pitch in the dirt that should they should easily advance on, but they're worried because of that fear of like what happens if I get out? Like, is my coach going to yell at me or my team is going to be upset at me? So, like having that expectation with your team that like, hey, if it happens, it happens. Let's let's be aggressive. We might as well err on the side of of aggressiveness. I really like that a lot. Yeah, and I, you know, hey, and and there's some there's some teams that are super successful that don't run, you know, and that's fine too. But I think if anything, like I've had opposing coaches, friends, and even some guys that you know are just acquaintances, they're like, you guys are kind of a pain in the butt to play. You know, and that to me, that's a compliment. Like it's a great compliment. You know, we, yeah. It is a great compliment, and and we've been in that same situation. Like, hey, we've played teams that there's a there's a team in our conference, and the guy's a good friend of mine. And if they get on, they're going, and you have to do a lot of things to slow them down. So it can be, you know, we've been on the other side. I'm not trying to sound like we got it all figured out on the base running side. We just feel like it's something that is part of our mo. But again, when you run into that team, that's the same as you are. And they're constantly putting pressure on you on the base pass, man. It it changes the game. You know, you've got to do things a little faster, and you can't let your guard down. You know, and uh, that's that's the other thing is like you know look look for look for the opposing team to show you something you can take advantage of. You know, and I think that's really important too in our game. Have you seen it kind of play out on the opposite end? So you know, obviously, if you're going to spend 15 to 20 minutes practicing it. Um, on the the base running side, then have you seen it kind of have filtered sway the other way to where when you guys are on defense um, within games, you're more aware of things the other team is doing offensively. You're more aware of how their base runners are going. Maybe your middle infielders are paying a little bit closer attention on certain things. Have you seen that kind of flip the other way? Because, you know, you mentioned like the idea of a basketball team running a full court press or something like that. Obviously, if you're doing that in practice every day, then if the other team decides to do a full court press on you, you'd think your offensive players would be able to handle it. Yeah, yeah, I think I think definitely because you practice it every day. So our pitchers, like our pitchers, are constantly having to control the running game at second base. You know, there's a huge focus on that. Our middle infielders are always trying to stop their buddies from getting a good jump, uh, and the catchers, you know, the, like you know. The catcher is probably a teammate in football or a classmate uh, in, in, a, in, in, in the classroom of the guy at second. So he doesn't want that guy to steal on him in practice or, you know, steal second base or third base in practice. 
So the pride level and the competition level rises tremendously. I love that part of it. So I feel like, you know, that does work to our advantage. But again, we've been we've been beat on things like that. You know, like a couple years mm-hmm. ago, uh, I did a terrible job of getting a left-handed pitcher out of the windup and a team in our conference stole home on him because he took forever to get rid of the ball. You know, that's on me. And that's something that we look for. But I wasn't living in, you know, I wasn't really in the moment and should have said, hey, time out, step off, go from the stretch, you know, et cetera. So, um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, it, it does make you a little bit more aware, your defense, you know, if you spend of, of the 20 minutes you're trying to steal the bases, you're also spending 20 minutes trying to defend it. And mm-hmm. so your pitchers and your catchers and your middle infield guys are a little bit more aware of that for sure. So you've been at at, at Lawrence for 17 years. So obviously opposing coaches know that, base running is going to be a big part of what you do. If I brought on like one of your rival schools, what are some other things that they might say that Lawrence is, is, is good at, or, or that they have to be aware of when they're playing against, against your guys? Um, I, I, that's a good question. I think, you know, I would hope they say they were well coached. You know, I would hope, hope, hope that they would say that they'll, they're going to fight hard for seven innings but at the end of the game, like, they're all going to shake hands the right way. And even in the pandemic, like, you know, you can't shake hands. But I think one thing that, that you know, we take time to, like, teach them how to shake hands the right way. And uh, over Christmas break, actually, a former player of mine who's now uh, head of grounds for – well, he was the head of grounds for the Portland uh, Beavers. But since they moved AAA out of Portland, he's yeah. now working for the soccer team. I think they're called the Timber. Uh, but anyhow, he, he told me he came over and we were visiting and, he said, you know, when when I first interviewed for the job, I, I shook the guy's hand and the guy goes, Man, that's a great handshake. And he says, Well, I learned how to do it in high school baseball. We we take we learned how to, you know, we took time to do it the right way. So I think those are those are little things that people hopefully rec- realize that kids, you know, our kids are doing the right thing, you know, uh, acting the right way. We we might get there's games where you might get a little mouthy or rowdy, but I think for the most part our kids are gonna play hard and take care of ourselves as opposed to living in the other dugout, you know? Um, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, hopefully when you talk to other, their coaches, it's like, Hey man, we got Lawrence high on Thursday night. We, we can't take one pitch off because they're going to find a way um, to get us, you know, they're, they're, they're just going to constantly put pressure on us, whether it be an attack in the zone or swinging the bat early in the count or whatever the case may be. I just think that aggressive nature hopefully is kind of our stamp of like, okay, you got to be ready for those guys, you know? Well, and you, you brought up, you know, the, the shaking of the hand, which is pretty cool. Obviously um, the Portland Timber or the Portland uh, Beavers, I, I grew up going to their games cause I'm only about an hour South of there. And uh, oh, okay. yeah, the soccer yeah. the soccer team has been incredibly successful, but I, I was quite devastated when the the baseball team left. I get why they did it. There was only probably like 500 people in the stands every night by the by the end of it, but and the you know the oh, soccer wow. stadium was just full oh, wow. I didn't every that. game. But uh, yeah, but yeah, but yeah. So yeah. You, you brought up the idea of shaking hands and things like that. I think obviously, and I don't have to tell you this. You've been doing it for a little while. Um, our guys for the most part aren't going to go off and play major league baseball. So if, if all they're getting from us is like, Hey, you got better baseball, but you're four years. Okay. Bye. Have a good life. Right. We, we haven't, we haven't done a whole lot of good for them. So yeah. you know, over the course of your, your career, what are some of the things that you've done or that, that you currently do that um, you feel like do a good job of helping, helping them grow into like, 
I don't know if good people is the right word, but like successful human beings, like that might care about each other, other people. I don't know. I just kind of get at that idea of like, what are some things you've done to help them become, um, you know, adults, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I thought, I thought a lot about this since we had our original communication. I think one thing and, and, and kind of the timing of this all has been kind of cool because right after we got back from, from uh, Christmas break, I was talking to a faculty member in our PE department and she's, she was our cross country coach and we got to just talk about programs. And she said, you know, I really, I really respect the way the sense of community that your, your team has. And I was like, really? And so elaborate on that. So she kind of gave me her thoughts as a, you know, a fellow coach and a teacher in the building. And I think one thing that we do is we're always trying to look for things in the community to do. So over spring break, we'll go to Chess Foods and donate two hours of our time or, you know, over Christmas, you know, for, we'll do adopt a family where, you know, kids and families will donate money and we'll take two or three families in need. And, you know, I'll, grab, I'll, I'll get the returning letterman and we'll go to uh, we'll go to Walmart and we'll take care, you know, we'll load up on stuff for the family. And that's that's been a tradition. You know, it's just, hey. The Sunday before Christmas break, you're going to, you know, the seniors and returning lettermen, you're going to join Coach Stoll and we're going to, we're going to go, we're going to go shopping. Um, so I, I think, you know, I, I like that part of it because again, I think, hey man, we're, you know, we're not all going to play in the big leagues. We're all not going to be division one players. We're all not going to be college baseball players, but we're all going to be husbands and employees and friends and fathers. And, you know, we want to be responsible adults. So can, can you be a better person? You know, and we always say better, better chessies make better people. So we're just always focusing on the whole holistic approach of making a kid a better person. Um, this spring breaks, we're going to do something new. We're going to bring in people from the community and teach kids like how to interview, you know, how to sit in an interview, how to sit the right way, answer the questions, eye contact, all of that stuff. Like, I think that's really important, you know, and even though they're, it might be a junior in high school and they might be you know, five or six years away from interviewing for a job, you know, that's going to, um, you know, be a career, you know, a career, they still need to learn those skills. And, you know, my oldest son, uh, you know, was going through the, you know, went through the college, you know, the college, uh, enrollment deal or applying at schools, like you're going to meet coaches, you're going to meet admissions directors. So learning how to greet people the right way and not be a meathead and look at your shoes and mumble under <laughs> your breath, like do it the right way think so i'm kind of excited about that you know i think that's going to be that's going to be a fun a fun day to spend doing that with people in the community um we write a ton of thank you notes i think the power of a thank you note is unbelievable and so every year i've got a former player that runs a printing company i say hey i need 250 cardstock notes he knows he knows the drill and sends them over so we're always writing thank you notes uh, we do appreciation days where they'll sit down you know, cause we have really bad weather in Kansas, so we may not be able to get oh, yeah. out for practice. Um, or we may have the late indoor practice. So we'll come in and I always make them, we do this every year. We, you know, you pick one teacher in the building that has meant, you know, meant something to you that has done something for you that, you know, has helped you out, write them a note. Cause you know, as educators, it's tough, edu it's tough being an educator right now with the pandemic and all the stuff going on. And, you know, you may go to your mailbox that next day and you're having a terrible day or, you got some parent on your tail or you're just, it's just not a good day. And then you get this thank you note from a kid telling them how much they appreciate you. You know, I don't know how many people in our building have said, Hey coach, I really, I really appreciate that. I needed that. That was really cool. I love that tradition. And you know, there's, 
people I teach with that they'll have eight, eight or nine of those in their mailbox. You know, the really, <laughs> the really great leaders and mentors. It's really fun to, to, to see how that plays out. But, you know, I, I'm really proud of that tradition. I think that's been something that our kids do a really good job of. And, uh, you know, lastly, I think something that I think is really cool. I'm a special educator. I teach adaptive PE. So I work with students with disabilities in the physical education setting. And I think the way that our kids treat the kids that I work with, it, it makes me really proud. And, uh, you know, seeing, seeing those authentic relationships, whether it be outside of school, inside, in, in during the school day, uh, it's really cool. And I, and I, I'm really, I'm really fortunate that, um, that kids are, are willing to kind of, you know, let themselves be vulnerable and, 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 and not have to be the macho stud athlete and, you know, take on a kid that has some disabilities or some, you know, different needs than you do and, and, um, you know, be a mentor to them. And it's, it's pretty cool. We have, we have one, a handful of them actually at our school too. And it's been one of the coolest, um, like culture builders for our entire school, because it takes these kids who um, otherwise are are somewhat isolated, you know, in a lot of ways throughout the school day. And they can certainly feel like they don't have other friends because, uh, you know, just the perception. And so all of a sudden you put them in this class together and you get people who have disabilities and people who don't. And you just watch these students who, like you said, otherwise kind of feel like they have to be almost like macho or almost put up this air of, of who they are supposed to be. And that, that all just drops away. And all of a sudden, you just have this culture of people who genuinely care about each other. It's, it's one of the coolest things. I don't know if any if anybody's listening and they need endorsements for adaptive PE classes. Like, here's two, I guess. <laughs> They're just amazing. Yeah. And, and, and I've spoke at different clinics. And, and usually, I'll end it with like, hey, guys, if you're going to take one, like, I, two, two, right before the pandemic, I gave a, 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 I gave a clinic on base running. And I said, hey, and it was all high school coaches. I said, if you're going to take one thing, just em- embrace the kids with special needs. Whether mm-hmm. you have a Special Olympics uh, practice on a Saturday morning or, you know, you as a teacher facilitate some type of, of friendship group or an activity or if you're a PE teacher, you know, uh, making sure that the special educator teachers know, hey, enroll your kids in my classes, man. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it fun for them. I'm going to make it authentic relationship, you know, uh, fostering some authentic relationships for these kids. Like that to me is, 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 is as important as, uh, as, as getting first to third on a base hit, you know? And I mean that, like, it's, it's what I've, I've, I've taught that, uh, for 20, 24, 25 years now. So it's, uh, it's a big part of who I am and it's a big part of who we are as a program. And, you know, we had a we had a, a young man with Down syndrome named Nolan who was our manager, and we had a we had a Twitter. It's it's tough to do now because he's in college, but when he was at school, we would do strolling with Nolan videos. And if I didn't put one of those on for like a two day span, people would call or text me going, "Hey, when are you going to do a strolling <laughs> with Nolan video?" And he was our manager his last two years. He would help me, like he'd go to the plate meeting with me. Um, one year I showed up for a conference game and a really dear friend of mine at, at Olathe East, Josh Perkins said, Hey, where's Nolan? He didn't even care about me. Where's Nolan? Uh, and then we played another conference uh, a game against a, another dear friend of mine, Will Gordon at Shawnee Mission East. 
and his manager had special needs and he brought them and, and we both, we took a bunch of pictures. They were at the plate meeting and it was, it was beautiful. You know, it was just absolutely beautiful. Uh, I was really proud of those kind of things. So I just think, you know, if people, you know, if you're, if you are listening and you're a high school coach and teacher, like find a way to incorporate a group of special needs and you'll be amazed at the, uh, at what it'll do for you and your kids. It is really special. We have um, ours now do they, they have like after school stuff. Now you can do as part of like that unified PE class, which has become so much more than a class as I'm sure you found out too. Yeah. And they'll go like rock climbing. They'll go to the movies. I mean, pre pandemic, obviously now it's a little bit yeah. harder, but just the, yeah, just the culture it builds is, is so amazing. Um, and it gets into like that idea of, of how priorities. Sh- so like you mentioned going to base running clinic and, and bringing this up to coaches and things like that. Would you say now that you've had a chance to, you know, you've been doing it for almost 30 years to kind of look back at the, you know, the early days of you as a coach, have you seen that, that like kind of be a change in priorities that you've had as a coach from, cause I think a lot of coaches get into it thinking I'm going to coach baseball right? Or I'm going to coach basketball or we're going to be really good at, you know, the running gut or whatever it might be. And, and then they get into it for a while and their priorities, their priorities change about like what it is that they're actually here to do. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's an evolution of, of that most coaches go through. Um, and definitely my priorities, you know, when you, when you have your sons play for you or family friends play for you, you know, and their kids that, 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 that is another you know, another factor and kind of changes some of the priorities. But I, I think that kind of back to what you're saying, being, being, being the guy that got sliced in high school and having to kind of work his way up from the bottom, you know, again, that priority was always the relationship piece of it. So, um, so that, that, that has been a, a pretty powerful thing for me too, you know, and, and Hey, you know, people will say, Oh, the wins and losses, they take care of themselves or whatever. At the end of the day, you're, you're still in this to win, right? Like yeah. we, don't, we don't, we don't get into this profession to go 500. And, and the older I get, like, you know, there's still not, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things better than winning, but, but a win when your team, when your team, you know, when your kids, the kids get together and they fight and they come from behind or they put together just a great, one of those, one of those great games where it all clicks and you get on a roll like that's a natural drug, right? That's why we get into this. So, mm-hmm. but, but on the flip side, like the older I get, like, and the longer I do this, I guess the, the, the losses, and this is just the debt. This is how my mind, like the losses tear me up. Like I can move on from a win and be like, okay, what's, what do we got Tuesday? What do we got Saturday? But the losses <laughs> like still chew me mm-hmm. up, you know, so the losses still just like, just kind of chase you a little bit more, you know, kind of, <laughs> Coffee doesn't taste near as good in the morning. So, um, but I, I definitely, I definitely, you know, I think that when you do things like, you know, your unified groups or your, uh, appreciation days, or, you know, you do, we, we do, um, and I've seen this on Twitter. So where I got the idea where, you know, we have a rule, like once you enter the locker room, lock, the, the phone goes in your locker I think the phones are great for a lot of reasons. I mean, just follow Jerry Weinstein on Twitter and all of a sudden your baseball IQ (laughs) is way (laughs) better. There's a lot of great (laughs) things about the phones, but like, Hey, when you're with the team, put your phone away, you can get it after practice, but there'll be days when I'm like, all right, bring your phone and you're going to call your mom and dad and tell them how much you love them. Are you going to call someone in your family or a friend that you haven't talked to in a while and just check in? 
it takes it takes less than 10 minutes. You know, it takes less than 10 minutes and it's a really cool thing. So when you start doing things like that, you know, I think that's kind of a change in priorities. Would I have done that when I was 25 years old? Probably not, you know. Um, well, hell, we didn't have cell phones really when I was 25. But, <laughs> no. You know, it's like when you do things like that, to me, it kind of does shift it a little bit. But again, at the end of the day, when you step on the field, like I tell I tell people all the time, I tell my wife, like, I love game day. I love I love baseball games. I love sitting in the dugout with my charts. I love coaching third base. I love the chess match of baseball. And, you know, a bomb could go off in the dugout and I would have no clue, you know, because you just get so, like, locked in on the game. And that's mm-hmm. that's what I love about it, you know. And that, I think that's what kind of keeps you coming back, obviously on top of the relationships and all of that stuff. But no matter what anybody tells you, you don't get into this to not compete. You know, you don't, you don't take this job and go, eh, I just want to be a 500 guy, you know, or I, I want to finish in the bottom third of our conference. Well, if that's your mindset, then you're in the wrong business. So I still, at the end of the day, like I take a lot of, we, we, I should say, we take a lot of pride in our community service and the thank you notes and shaking hands and telling kids you love them and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, those seven innings are a blast for the most part. Like you want to hook it up and fight and compete. And I, I, I love fostering that environment too of we're going to fight, you know, we're going to get after it for seven innings and let's see what happens. I think that's a good point to make too, because I think you're right. It's so funny. Like the, 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 the circular kind of mindset that happens throughout, throughout life, right. Is you, you get in earlier, it's all about winning and baseball, you start to realize there's there's more to it, and then at the end of the day, you, you, you they they kind of have to live with each other, and yeah. it's part of I think it's part of helping kids understand. I hate doing like the, this is what life is like, but in a lot of ways it is. Like you're talking about when a loss bothers you more, you know, than a, the the happiness of a win does, and I think that makes a lot of sense for people because when you experience something equivalent to a loss in life that's going to bother you a heck of a lot more than like finishing a day and going, ah, today was a good day. Let's move on to the next one. And so I think yeah. there's just a part of it that all, that they all kind of have to to live with each other and that, that chasing of greatness, that, that trying to win games and fight and do everything you can to win games is part of like helping these kids prepare for life. Because again, that's, that's a big part of life is being able to, to fight and crawl and, and find a way to win even when things aren't so great. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's, um, you know, I heard, I think it was Brian Kane this year during the ABCA mm-hmm. clinic talked about, you know, it's not, it's, it's not about wins. It's about weddings and how many, you know, when kids invite you to weddings or they call you when they had their first child or when they call you when they're, when they're in trouble and they need some help, like that's beautiful. You know, I love that stuff. I really, really, I love going to former players weddings. And if I can't make it, it, it I hate that, you know, um, but again, I, and I'm not trying to keep going, but like, it is all about those. It's all about the relationships and the weddings and the, and, and, and we're, you know, I always say, I want to know where you are in 25 years. And there's kids that you, you grow apart from and there's kids, you sure. know, exactly where they live and their wife's name. But at the end of the day, like you, you have, you, you have those relationships because you fought and tried to get a win, you know, and some, and you lose, you're going to lose, it's going to happen. But, you know, um, I just think that, um, 
you know, we, we, we buried, unfortunately, we buried two former players within the court. They, they, they passed away almost two years of the date of each other. They were, they were teammates. And, uh, you know, the reason why it hurts so bad and still has a huge effect on my life is because of the relationship, you know, that we, that we had. And, you know, I, I hope if, if, if anybody is listening, I hope nobody has to go through that. But, you know, when you get that call, uh, that's awful and it guts you and it, and it really, really stings at a different level. Um, you know, you see, you know, going, going to a, a cemetery for a 22 year old kid, like that hurts, but obviously it hurts. Right. But when you're, when you allow yourself to get that close to a kid, you know, that's a good thing, you know? And so, um, I think that's all part of it too. Like you, you go to battle with these kids and you teach them how to compete and you teach them how to treat people the right way. And then they're calling you for job references. They're calling and saying, you know, Hey, I think I'm going to switch careers and I'm going to do this. Um, you know, that's, that's pretty special. And I wouldn't trade any of that for anything. Yeah. I think there's, uh, the, the winning and building relationships are not mutually exclusive of each other. And I think in a lot of ways, kind of what it sounds like you're getting at too, is that they're even, they even go hand in hand in, in a number of ways. You can obviously build relationships and still lose, but that's, that's yeah. not nearly as fun. And I, I think you probably build better relationships when you're, when you're winning together and, and trying to compete. And then people are listening are going to, are going to hear the clarity in that. And they're going to understand too, that that also doesn't mean that you can't stop practice and pause and, and take 10 minutes to go make a phone call and have every kid call their mom and tell them that yeah. they love them. So, yeah, so all these things can all, all go together and play a role as this combined group of what makes like high school sports so interesting and so neat and so unique in a lot of ways. Right. And <laughs> my, we were just talking about this last week. Like we, we haven't, you know, we won our own, we won our championship in 09. We've been back, you know, to the state tournament since, but it's been a few years. And for me to say, Oh, it's not that big a deal. I, I'm lying to you. Like it, it drives me nuts. Like I want to get back to the state tournament I, I, as, as a coach. Like I, I want our team to be, in the state tournament every year. And when you don't do that, yeah, there's a certain level of disappointment and you feel like, okay, what could we have done wrong? What could we have done better? What do we do wrong? You know? So it, it, when they say it's not all about the wins and losses, it's still based on winning and losing, you know? And if you're a robot and you don't care about kids, you don't care about, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, then it has a different effect. But, you know, my wife always tells me the reason why it hurts you so bad at the end of the year and you're kind of in a funk is because you care so much. Uh, you know, and last year we had a, a very talented team and, and my son, my oldest son, played third base for us. And that's the last time I ever got a coaching. And so when we got beat by the eventual state champs, it hurt because I walked off the field with my oldest son for the last time ever, you know. And, and, and listen, man, I get it there's a bunch of people in the world that are like that. You know, they have relationships and they allow themselves to be vulnerable and, 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 and expose themselves to kids like that. So uh, I, I understand that that's not unique, but when, when you know, they say, Oh, it's not about the wins and losses. Yeah. At the end of the day, there, there's, that's still a huge part of it, you know? And when they say, Oh, it's just, I, I hate when people say, Oh, it's just a game. Why, are, you know, why are you acting like that? It's not just a game. It actually is my job. You know what I mean? Like it's my job and, and being a mentor, being a teacher and being a coach, being a good husband, father, all that stuff is my job too. But it's not just a game. That game is my livelihood. You know, um, I'm sure if you tell an investor, if he, if he lost $500,000, oh, it's, 
it's just a game. It's probably going to, they're not going to be very happy with you, you know? Um, so I've never really looked at it as, oh, it's just a game. You know, can you move on? Should you move on? Absolutely. Is there ways to do it? Should I get better at that? Absolutely. At 49 years old, I wish I was better at it, but <laughs> it's not, it's not just a game. You know, it's not, it's not just a game. If they say that, they, I, probably, I, haven't, they probably haven't been in our shoes. You know what I mean, Max? Like they probably haven't, you know, been through a season with a group that they really, really care about. So that's what I was just going to dive in and say, Brad, is this idea of like, sometimes there'll be simple things like talking to teachers who don't coach or, or getting coffee in the morning and the, the person asking me, you know, what I do or, or whatever it is. And it's like, whenever the, I, I coach baseball too. And the, the response is usually like, Oh, is that, is that fun? And I just like, I, I usually just, I'm like, yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I keep my answer so short because there's, there's no possible way I can explain to somebody everything that goes into doing what we do on a daily, you know, weekly, yearly basis, you know, over and over again to ourselves. And it's like, I, I, I can't even explain it to you. So I just, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's cool. <laughs> like, yeah, like, there's just so much that goes into it. They don't, the, you know, the guy at the coffee shop that asked you that he doesn't probably have the 15 minutes for you to describe the thrill of having, you know, Snoop Dogg playing on your BP list and you're hitting fungos and it's a beautiful day. Like to me, that that's, that's when I'm at, you know, my happiest. I mean, obviously when you're with your family and all that kind of stuff, but again, you get into this for a reason. And like to me, game days when the music's blaring and fungos are going and BP's going and you got kids running the bases, that's awesome. You know, so it's not, again, it's not just a game. Yeah, it is a game. But this is like really important to these kids and their families and our coaches and our schools. So, um, yeah, I'm like you sometimes. I'm just like, I'm not even going to waste my breath on this clown that says, oh, it's just a game. Or, you know, what do you think about this? Yeah, it's who I am. You know, it's who we are. It's true. It's hard to explain to people. So I usually just don't. And, and they probably they'll, they'll just continue thinking it's just a game. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. It's not. Yeah, it's, yeah. There's too much work that goes into it. You brought it up. So I'll make this my last question. You brought Snoop Dogg up. So uh, when, when people are uh, coming to your games and to your practices and whatnot, who's choosing the music? What kind of uh, songs are coming on there that, that the kids usually get fired up for? And are they the same songs that you get fired up for? Well, yeah. So I basically beat it into the he their heads that '90s hip hop was was is the best, you know. So we've got a ton of Snoop, <laughs> Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, Tupac, all that stuff. But I and I, I love Red Dirt country music too. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan mm -hmm. of that Turnpike Troubadours and things like that. But yeah, it's funny. Our superintendent came to a game last year and and uh, paid in full by Eric B and Rakeem came on. And he was like only at Lawrence High, and he just kind of laughed after the game when we were talking <laughs> about it. So. Yeah, I've I've had I've had I've had other coaches in our conference say, "Man, I'm not sure my administration." And now we listen to the edited version, you know. But every once in a while, things will slip through. But you know, people have said, "Man, there's no way we'd be able to pull this off." And last year, we played a a, a team from out of state. I'm not going to tell you where, but uh, they came down and they they actually called the school during the day and said they can't believe they let this kind of music be played at a baseball <laughs> game. <laughs> I was like, well, you know what? You got a choice. You can leave. So, cause we're not changing, but I mean, it's, it's, it's edited and you know, I mean, it's the clean version, but come on, man, you got to have fun. You know, you got to have fun. You got to enjoy it. And, and that's part of the enjoyment. And yeah, I mean, I let them pick their music too, but um, you know, it's, it's for the most part, it's going to be a lot of hip hop. It's going to be a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a little Sly in the Family Stone, a little Al Green, a little Super Soul Saturday, we call it. 
it's it's going to be some good tunes for sure. I love it, man. It's 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 fun because I think uh, I don't know how baseball and country music got so into it together, but it's one of the the things like you see, so yeah, you got to have some country, but we we do the same thing. We play a lot of music that I don't think a lot of schools are playing. Yeah. So it sounds really similar in a lot of those ways. Uh, makes it more fun, I think, for us as coaches, obviously, and then and then for the kids too. I think there's a certain level of energy that comes along with playing music and good music and and, and fun music that absolutely I think helps make practice run a little bit better. Makes games a little bit more fun when you got music going on between no innings and, and before the game and all that sort of stuff. So no uh, doubt, pretty cool for sure. For sure, I totally agree with you. Uh, I, I just want to—I I mean, I guess uh, just kind of hand the mic over to you one more time. I don't know if there's anything that maybe you have envisioned yourself talking about, or or any advice you want to give to to coaches or anything. I, it doesn't really matter. Just wanted to give you the mic one last time and just let you do whatever you want with it. Yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate that. I guess you know, first of all, thanks for having me on. It's always fun to kind of talk about what what you do as a head coach with the program that you you know you care about. And, and I tell people all the time, like outside of my wife. And my two sons, like this program, our program is the most important thing to me. So, mm-hmm. you know, always doing things year round, really, that, that are that are for the best of, the, of your program. Um, one thing that I did that I did want to talk about and I didn't know, you know, I, obviously there's no audio or vi- uh, video on this. But one thing we do that has become kind of a sense of pride and like kids kind of really work hard to earn them is we do these award T-shirts and everybody does them. I get that. But, like, we don't put, like, phrases on the shirt. What we do is we take our chesty lion mascot, right, which we've talked a little bit about at the beginning. And, like, so last year, if someone did something that was so fresh and so clean, we had the album cover of Stankonia with Outcasts, and on Big Boy and Andre's body was chesty lion's head. You know, and so <laughs> kids not. were, like, dying to get one of those shirts. You know, uh, a couple years ago, uh, you know, one of our, we want kids to play with risk, like be a risk taker, like within the, within, you know, doing this, being smart, but, you know, play with risk, you know, kind of be a little bit of a wild man. Well, a great risk taker is Han Solo, right? So we put Chesty's face on Han Solo and kids wanted that shirt. So we've done, uh, one of my favorites is Ric Flair, who I love. I'm a big oh Ric Flair, the nature boy. Like we took Ric Flair and his flowing robe and we put Chesty's face on Ric Flair and, and anybody that did something, you know, like Ric Flair would be proud of, they got the Ric Flair shirt. So uh, every year it's like, hey, what are you guys going to do? What are you going to do? And like we keep it a secret. And we have this kind of this unveiling deal. So it's that's been fun. But again, it's like it's a reward for something they're doing that makes the team better. It's an individual thing. I get that. But it's like, you know, if you're playing with risk or you do – if you were in their so fresh and so clean shirt, probably made a pretty sweet play to get us out of an inning, you know. Or you made a big base running, you know, you got first to third and, and extended that inning and then you scored the winning run. Like that's pretty that's pretty that's pretty clean. You know, that's pretty sweet. So I think doing things like that, kids get a huge kick out of it. Teachers in the building be like, Hey man, what what's what's this t shirt gonna be like this year? I'm like, You're gonna have to wait. You're gonna have to wait till March, <laughs> you know. So uh but I guess the last thing is is I we always tell the parents at the parent meeting, like, we're gonna coach your son very hard. You know, there's going to be days when they don't like, you're not going to like what they say when they come home. Okay. But at the end of the day, we're going to tell your son that that we love him. And it may be in a different manner that you say it, but I always tell the coaches, like, you may get on a kid, you may really get loud with a kid, 
But before he leaves the field, you've got to tell him why. Make sure they understand why. Mm. And I think that's part of the relationship piece that that I'm so proud that our staff does a great job. I mean, our, our coaching staff, we've got four, myself and four guys. And what's really cool is four out of five of us are all Lawrence High grads. So there's more, you know, there's just a lot of pride in being a chesty lion again. But um, I just, again, just building, taking taking the time to build the relationships. I always tell them, hey, when we're doing catch player long toss, you need to talk to one kid a day that is not in your position group. So I t- I coach the infielders. I love infield play. So I always make sure that I find a pitcher only or a catcher or an outfielder and just say, hey, how was class today? How's your mom? How's your sister? What's going on? You know, <clears throat> and I think, you know, if you came to a practice, you would see five guys, you know, meandering during catch play or long toss and talking to somebody different. You know, at least I would hope so. And I think that's pretty powerful too, you know, because at the end of the day, they're still kids, you know, and, and being a teenager is tough. And if you mm-hmm. come to practice knowing that you're coming to an environment where you're going to have to compete, you're going to have to bring your energy, you're going to have to bring a high level of effort, but you're going to have five men there that care deeply about you, I think is pretty powerful. So, um, you know, taking the time to do that, I think is really, really a valuable uh, lesson that I learned a long time ago. I'm so glad you shared that too. And baseball is is wonderfully unique in that way and that we get that time every single day because they've got to play catch, right? To be able yeah. to continue and actually practice. And so just using that opportunity to go and talk to players makes a lot of sense. Love the t-shirt idea too, because we've all heard of, of programs that do those types of shirts, but to do it, and it usually, like you said, it's usually a phrase of like, you know, defensive MVP or something like that or yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. To do that with the chesty line is such a good way to take advantage of that mascot. So props to you guys. That thing is so – that is yeah. awesome. And then and, and the guy, the graphic design guy in town, he's like, all right, what kind of crazy idea <laughs> we got this year, you know? But he he, he never disappoints. Oh, man, it's awesome. Well, Brad, I, I again, appreciate your time so much and um, just love what you guys are doing at Lawrence and getting a chance to hear about it and the ins and outs and um, really also appreciated you making sure that you you talked about the idea of winning and how it's, you know, it's it's not exclusive from anything else and it can be built into part of a program and, and should be built into a program, which I think is refreshing to hear right now. So um, really appreciate you and, and good luck to the to the Chesty Lions this spring. Thanks, Max. I appreciate it. All right, so I love being the head coach of the Saxon baseball program at South Salem High School over here in Oregon. But man, I have to admit, I'm a little bit jealous of the Chesty Lions mascot, and I definitely need to come up with some better shirt ideas, man. This, the stuff he comes up with is fantastic. What an awesome team, program, and coach. If you aren't signed up for the weekly newsletter yet, or if you haven't picked up some High School Coaches Club stickers, you should do so. Head on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com to get started. And don't forget to leave a rating or a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. And no matter where you're listening, hit that subscribe button. Most importantly, though, if you found any value at all from this episode or any previous episode, please share this thing on social media to your followers, via email to other coaches, or through the old-fashioned word of mouth. I don't care how you do it. Just find a way to bring a few more listeners in who might benefit. That's how we all get better, and that's how we grow the club. Huge fist bump to Coach Stoll for jumping on the call with me. And thanks again to Netting Pros and Driveline Plus for sponsoring the episode and to you for clicking that play button. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. 
Follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Max Price and can reach me via email, max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. All right, that's it. That's all I got. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.